Um, we've been doing the series on by my spirit, and um, and I thought we were going to go carry on because <laughs> I had plenty more to say. I don't know if you've noticed. I don't stop talking, but I had plenty more to say on the subject. But during the week, I've just felt. God has laid something on my heart, and I've really, um, and I'm, I'm not saying this to sound like I'm really super spiritual or anything like that, but I've really struggled with this message, and at times I've almost laid it down, and, um, but I really feel, though, that it is a word from God for us as individuals and also as a church, and so it's entitled One Thing, and the scripture that we're going to go to is Psalm 27. It's a well-known scripture, verses 1 to 6. And um, let's just read it. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Father God, that, um, that you settle our hearts, that, um, that right now we can just focus on what, Holy Spirit, what you will have to say to us. Lord, use my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, Lord God. Father, I thank you that I speak only the oracles of God today, that, that um, there will be no place for flesh, <laughs> but the spirit that gives life. And so, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for hearts that are open, hearts that are receptive. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come, came against me to eat up my flesh, I mean my word, goodness me, who's, who's wanted to eat your flesh this week so far? But when the wicked came against me, this guy was in a bad position to eat up my flesh. My enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this, I will be in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. What a beautiful scripture. Uh, you know, there's so much in there, and um, we could actually probably do a series on Psalm 27, but I'll just keep it to one message. But you know, as you can see from the psalm, it was written by David, and we can see from the psalm that he was in the midst of conflict and battle. He was in a season of trouble. Um, you know, it's thought that he wrote the psalm, um, either while he was being pursued by King Saul or um, while he was enduring some rebellion from his son Absalom. But whatever, whatever it was going on, he was going through some personal issues. David was going through some personal issues. I mean, just if, if you can, can you get back to verses 1 to 3? Debbie, you're really good. And you, I even remember Debbie's name this morning. I'm so amazed. <laughs> 
Okay, that's fine. But it says this, but, but remember this, it says this. He speaks about when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes and an army coming against me. He asks these questions. He says, the Lord is my life. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He asks these questions. Whom shall I fear? He says, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. I, I got this re revelation. The opposite to fear is strength. Why is God the strength of my life? I don't need strength in the midst of fear. I need calm. No, you need strength. You need courage. To, that's what strength is, encouragement. We need to have courage built into us. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my, of my life. He speaks a little bit later. He says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. He says, my heart shall not fear, even in the midst of war. Even in the midst of war, my heart shall not fear. And like that scripture that I read earlier about from Romans 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? And I think if David was to write Romans 8, he would phrase it something like this. He'll say, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor the wicked nor the enemies nor the foes nor those armies, that those guys that were trying to kill me, that were wanting to eat my flesh, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. I think David had such a revelation on the love of God and how amazing God is. And we see in the psalm from verses 1 through to 3, it's all about celebration, he says, um, in, verses, in verse 3, he says, Though war may arise against me, in this I will be confident. Even in the midst of uh, opposition, in the midst of trial, in the midst of turmoil, he said, it's celebration. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Uh, the, 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 carries on. In this I will be confident, in verses 1 to 3. So in verses 1 to 3, he's talking about celebration. Verse 5, he's talking about victory in the middle of trials. He says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. He shall set me high upon my rock. My head shall be lifted above my enemies. He's talking about victory. Verses 1 to 3 is confidence, celebration. Verse 5 Victory, and in the midst of it, sandwiched in the middle, verse 4, verse 4. You know, sometimes we can go through trials. I don't want to skip this bit that I've got in my notes. Sometimes trials can ground us. Sometimes trials can ground us. And now here, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? I'm not saying God's causing trials. I'm not saying God's causing all the grief in your life. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes having a trial or two can ground us. It can bring us back to what's important. It can bring us back to where our hope comes from. You know, I think sometimes we take so much for granted in God. We just assume he's going to take care of me, and that's a good place to be. But sometimes we need to press in, and we need to make sure we're in the right place, and we need to know where does my strength comes from? Where does my strength comes from? 
Go bring us back to where my strength comes back, comes from. Where does my peace come, come from? Where does my joy come from in the midst of the storm? And so we see verses 1 to 3, the confidence that David has in the Lord, even in the midst of the storm. But then he suddenly changes, the, the, the psalm changes tempo. And it goes, it, it changes from confidence and celebration to verse 4, contemplation. There's suddenly a change in the tempo and the tone of the psalm. And this is this well-known psalm. We've just sung it. We've just sung it. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing. And that will I seek. That I may dwell, dwell, dwell. As Maverick City says it over and over. That I may dwell, dwell, dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I have desired of the Lord and that will I seek. I I try to create my own little paraphrase and I've said it something like this. There is one thing and one thing only I desire and seek after. My soul's desire, my soul's desire is that I may dwell in God's presence all the days of my life. That I can be in his house, in his presence, gazing on his beauty, listening to him as he speaks into my soul. That's my (laughs) paraphrase. But he says these words, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of all the days of my life when I'm at war. David was at war. When I'm at war, when I'm in times of trouble, when the wicked come against me, when I'm hiding in that secret place. I believe verse four is strategically placed in the psalm, in the midst of potential fear in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of enemies and foes. He seeks the presence of God. He seeks the presence of God. He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and I don't believe he's talking about going to heaven. He's not talking about as, 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 as appealing and as desirable as that all is. No, I believe that he's talking about the here and now. All the days of my life. You know, the the Apostle Paul said it like this. He says, I'm hard-pressed between the two, whether I should die and go home to be with the Lord or whether I should remain here in the flesh. I'm hard-pressed. I can't choose. I want to be with the Lord, but I need to be with you. But I want to be with you, but I want to be with the Lord. I'm hard-pressed. I don't know which way to choose. But David here is speaking about God's presence wherever that presence might be found. You know what? If, if God's presence is in this place today, this is where I want to be. If he's not here, I don't want to be here. If he's left the building, then I'm going. I'm out of here. But I want to be wherever he is, wherever his presence is. 
wherever it might be, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of the storm. Listen to this Psalm 26. It's a very unusual translation, the CEB. Listen to what it says. It says, I love the beauty of your house. Psalm 26, the CEB. I love the beauty of your house. I love the place where your glory resides. I love the beauty of your house. The message says, your house glows with glory. You know what? I think if we could open up our eyes to something today, we'd see a little glory cloud above the saints in this room today. We see the, 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 the glory of God. Your house glows with glory. Who wants to miss out on that? No. Psalm 84, verses 1 to 2, he says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. How lovely is your tabernacle. You know what? We, this, this was written by the sons of Korah. He says, how lovely is your tabernacle in the New King James. The tabernacle was sort of, it was created to be um, um, a, a mobile ev event. You know, they, they could, it was, um, what's it called? Um, just, you could carry it with you. What's it called? Uh, like a flat pack type of thing in modern vernacular. <laughs> I can't think of the right word. But how lovely is your tabernacle? Whether it was a tent, whether it was a permanent place, whether it's a community center, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord, Lord Almighty. And he's not looking at um, outward, outward appearance. I mean, come on, as nice as this community center is, you know, but that's, they, we, we're not coming here because there are gold icons and chandeliers, you know. He's talking about the presence of God. How lovely is your dwelling place. And he says, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts, for the courts of the Lord. He's not even talking about getting into the Holy of Holies. He's talking about even just being on the outskirts, on the outer court. If I can just get a glimpse of his presence, if I can just get a glimpse of his glory, just, I don't care if I'm, if I'm on the outskirts, it means I have to go stand in the corridor out there, but if I can just catch a glimpse of God, if I can just get a glimpse of his, of his presence, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. My heart and my flesh, my soul cries out for the living God. The psalmist loved the house of God because he loved the God of the house. He loved the house of God because he loved the God of the house. Psalm 63, written by David. O oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. David was wanting to be wherever the presence of God was. He says, one thing I've desired and that I will seek it's about positioning ourselves. 
It's about seeking the things of God. It's about making sure we are where God is. Making sure we're where God is. It's about setting our minds. The Bible says set your mind on things above. Keeping your mind set on the things of God. Setting our hearts, setting our affections on Him. When, you, when you're going about your daily business, when you're at work, when you're faced with patients screaming and managers shouting and people performing, I set my heart, set my affection on you, God, being where he is. Where, where God, where is your presence, even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of the work situation? Where's your presence, even in the, monks, in the church? I love the beauty of your house. I love the beauty of your church, Lord. It's where your glory resides. Where your glory, where the glory of God resides. In, in Ephesians 5, it won't come up on the screen, but it says that Christ loved the church. Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. Jesus died. For the, for, the, for the church, he gave himself for her, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. You know what, the glorious church, it sounds <laughs> almost not real. The glorious church. But you know what, it's not a romantic notion. It's not just a romantic thought. It's not pie in the sky full of that outward adornment with these golden icons and chandeliers and plush seating. It's not, it's not like that. The glorious church is when us believers come together in unity. There's purpose in us coming together. There is beauty in us coming together. Loving one another, serving one another, praying for one another, blessing one another. Listen to Psalm 90, verse 17. It says, and let the beauty of the Lord God be upon us. Let the beauty of the Lord God be upon us. His kindness. What's that mean? The beauty of the Lord God. His beauty, his kindness, his goodness, his mercy, his grace. God, be upon us. We shared recently about Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the presence of God in us. Become aware of his indwelling presence. So that scripture, verse 4, he says, One thing have I desired. Have one thing talks about being single-minded. It's about undivided, loyal, undistracted, dedicated, devoted, pure in heart. One thing. If you've got one thing on your mind, that's it. You're focused. You're not. You're not mixing it up with other stuff. It's one thing. Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. That's what one thing is about, being undivided. It's about loyal. It's about being, being pure. The bl blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see him. 
We know from the account of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, um, we see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. And Martha, Martha <laughs> is distracted with much serving. So we've got to have a little bit of a Greek lesson here. This is going to bless you, or maybe not, I'm not sure. But look, look at the word distracted in the Greek. We've got to throw in a Greek word, at least one a, one a, one a week. Distracted. The Greek word is perispeo. Probably mispronounced, but never mind. Nobody will be any the wiser. Perispeo. And it's made up of two, two sections. The first bit is peri. means about, around, away. We get the word perimeter, periphery. It's a boundary. It's an outer edge. And speo is to draw. The literal, um, the literal meaning of distraction means to draw away. To draw away. To draw away. We look at this in Luke chapter 10, verses 39 to 40. This is Martha. Talking about Martha, she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Who also. So she, everyone picks some either one of these two, you know, these, these two sisters. Also sat means that she was serving. She had been serving, but she also sat. It wasn't an either or, it was both. She did both. She also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was, where's that word? Perispeo. She was distracted. She was drawn away with much serving. And she approached him. She was physically drawn away from Jesus' presence. Can we just close that door? She was physically drawn away. And she had to approach him and said, Lord, do you not care? that my sister has left me to, to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. I mean, talk about an attitude. She's already, Paris Payo, she's distracted. She's drawn away and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She had physically drawn away. So, so, so Martha wasn't just worried and um, troubled by the many tasks she had to do, but she was distracted. She was drawn away. She was going from one thing to another. Look at it says in Luke, um, Luke's Gospel 10, verses 41. And Jesus answered to her and said, Martha, Martha. You know, when Jesus calls your name twice, you know, we need to take, we need to, we need to take cognizance. Hey? Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So Martha wasn't just only worried and troubled by the many tasks she's had to do, but she was drawn away. She was distracted. She was literally out of control. She was being dragged here and there. Social pressures, 
Personal pressures. We put ourselves under pressure, internal pressure. I must perform. I must be perfect. No. Deadlines. Everything's vying for her attention. Distractions. Distractions. Everything's vying for her attention. And the reality is that like Martha, I'm not pointing a finger at Martha, but we too live in a world that is constantly trying to draw our attention away from Christ. And I don't believe that it's a lack of desire. I don't believe that it is a, a lack of desire, but because of a lack of a desire, that we are drawn away from sitting at the feet of Jesus. But our minds are distracted with too many things so that we are drawn away by many tasks. Everywhere you go, whether you're online, whether you're in person, there are constant adverts. I think... I'm just going onto Google to look up, I don't know, Tesco's, where are they located? And a thousand and one um, um, adverts pop up. I think, where where'd you come from? But notifications, our phones are constantly pinging and binging and got all these funny little noises. They're beeping with notifications, alerts, updates, important information. Look at this now. Look at this now. It's on a daily basis. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what marital status you are. We're all experiencing it. Whether, you, whether you're working full-time, whether you're working part-time, whether you're retired, whether you're looking for a job, there is just so much. There are a thousand and one things screaming for our attention. And sometimes to such an extent that we don't know what to do first. Is that just me? Is that me or is it everybody? You just don't know what to do first. You know, and an example of this is a lion tamer. What does a lion tamer do in order to tame a lion? He takes a three little, little milk stool and he, he, takes the, he takes the stool and he keeps twisting it like this in front of the lion's face. And the, what happens is the lion becomes tame because he's so distracted, he doesn't know what to focus on and so he does nothing. He does nothing. Distraction immobilizes us. It perispeos us. It draws us away from Jesus and the things of God. But God's word says, draw near. Draw near to me. Draw near to God and he will draw near to him to me. Psalm 73, the, 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 the psalmist says, it is good for me to draw near to God. It is good for me to draw, and for everybody around me, because if I haven't drawn near to God, you're just going to get my stinking flesh. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I'm the one who benefits, and so is anybody around me as I draw near to God. So how do, we, how do we do this? How do we stop the distractions in our lives? How do we draw close to the Lord? I'm glad you asked because Hebrews chapter 12, it's not going to come up because you know it so well. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Let us lay, no, let us, let us lay aside. God's not going to do it for us. The whole of Hebrews is let us, let us. Let us, it's up to us, let us lay aside 
every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So we're talking here about um, my, my scripture. One thing I've desired. And I've got three little points. And they all begin with an L. So they're going to be easy to remember. Okay? So the first one is we're going to lay aside all that will distract. Anything that will hinder, distract, obstruct, impede, laying aside every thought, every worry, every fear, everything that every burden, every anxious thought, every image, lay it aside. Lay it aside. We've got to lay it aside. The Bible says, cast all your cares. Cast all your cares on him. For he cares for you affectionately. Lay aside the hurt. You know what? That's the worst thing. is the hurt, the pain, something that's happened in the past. And we start reliving it. A bad memory. They said this and then this happened and I should have said that. And we lie there at 4 a.m. thinking this whole scenario through. No. A bad memory will keep, keeps, on, keeps you reliving, holds you captive in the past. Whether it was a day ago, a week ago, a month, or a decade ago, that thing can go round and round and round in your head. You've got to lay it aside. Let it go. Let it go. Lay aside every hurt, every pain, every problem, every habit, every sin, every distraction, every addiction. Lay it aside including this. Lay it aside. I'm telling you, this thing will suck the life out of you. As brilliant as, this, as, the, as, the, as the, the technology is, it's great. But I, I, have, I struggle. I'm just being honest. I struggle. Because I'm, 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 and I'm making an excuse, but I'm constantly, I'm on my phone, but for biblical reasons, and next thing, ping, <laughs> I've got to check. Oh, what's, what's the ping? Another ping. I've got to answer my pings. I can't, let, can't make the people wait. No, no, no. I've got to lay it aside. I've got to actually start removing myself from my phone. Leave it in another room. Start going through a little bit of, you know, uh, detox. Leave my phone alone. One thing I do. One thing I do. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, one thing I do. Forgetting that which is past. Forget. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul? He'd been consenting to the stoning of St- Stephen. Now he's born again. That must have haunted him. But he can't go forward holding on to that past thought. He says, no, lay aside. Forget those things which are behind and reach forward for those things which are ahead. You can't go forward holding on to the past. Lay aside the distractions. We're not denying their existence. They're there. You know, the housework still needs to be done. Homework still has to be done. Schoolwork has to be done. We still need to clean the house, cut the grass. Unless it's a no-mow May, then you don't apparently cut your grass in May anymore, apparently. It's a terrible thing. But anyway, um, but, but there are things that need to be done. You know, laundry. If you don't do the laundry, it's just going to pile up. You know, someone's got to do it. So I'm not saying don't do it, you know, for, my, for myself, as fast as I dust it seems to reappear, but I don't go every two minutes with my duster, cleaning up the dust. I don't dust every day, but I've got to learn how to prioritize. 
It's prioritizing. What is your number one value? What is a value? It's what you treasure. What is your number one value? It's what you treasure. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to get Jesus back into first place. He needs to take first place. Seek him first. Seek him first. Give him top priority. Top priority. What is standing between you and Jesus? What is standing between you and your relationship with God? What is it? And it could be justified. It could be, it's okay. Yes, I've got to do these things. But where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, maybe things that are standing between you and Jesus, and these are, I'm not picking on anyone, but maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your studies. I'm oh, sorry, I looked at Johnny, but he's not the only one studying. Yeah, you know, look at Isabella. She's also studied. So a few others that are studying. But maybe it's your studies. Maybe it's your family. You know, I've heard this thing lately. My family is everything. My family, my family. No, your family is important, but they're not everything. Jesus is everything. I'm sorry, maybe I'm being a bit too radical here. But either he's first in my life or he's not. If he's not, then what is for my spouse? My husband is not first in my life. And praise God, I'm not first in his life. I'm second. I'm after the Lord. And I expect, I expect it. It's right. He's first. Jesus is first. Friends, hobby, whatever it might be. What? Seek first the kingdom of God. Get your focus back. Have that one thing. Be single-minded. Be single-focused. So the first L was laying aside. All that will distract. My second point is behold. To behold the beauty of the Lord. That's what he says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty. In other words, look. Look. That's my second L. Look on the beauty. <coughs> Sorry. Look on the beauty of the Lord. There's beauty in the presence, in the character, in the nature of God, reflected in his integrity, his uprightness, his, his, his nobleness. It's who he is. He's a person of integrity. He's a person of his word. He, 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 he's not a man that he can lie. He doesn't wink at sin. He confronts it. He addresses it. But in the process, he's loving. He's kind. He's compassionate. That's how his beauty is displayed. All the ways of God are mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. When, we, when, we, when he gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy and truth. You know what? There's a richness in God. There's a richness in him which is available to only those who, who, those who will earnestly seek him. There's a richness of his glory. There's a richness of his mercy. There's a richness of his grace. There's a richness to his kindness. There's a richness to his love. You know what? Take one aspect of God. Here's a thought. Take one aspect of God and meditate on it for one day. Take it for a week. 
Take one aspect of God and make that your meditation. Lord, I'm going to meditate on your kindness today. And start looking, seeking God, seeking the kindness of God, seeking the riches of his, of his kindness in your life. Look for it. See it happen. Behold, see, look, see the, the goodness of God. Gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And the point of it is to desire him for who he is, not for what he does, not for what he gives us, to seek his face, not his hand. That same Psalm 27, verse 8, it says, When you said, God, seek my face, my heart said to you, Psalm 27, verse 8, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. It's about seeking God's face, not his hands. Seeking his face. So, to behold the beauty of the Lord, my third L, to inquire in his temple, means to listen, to ask. The third L is to listen, to listen. Listen to his voice. You know, Habakkuk 2, he talks about, he says, I will set myself on the rampart and I will watch to see. I will set myself on the rampart. In other words, I'm going to position myself. We've got to position ourselves to hear from God. Like, like Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus. She positioned herself. We've got to position ourselves to hear from him, to hear that still, small voice, to hear him speak to us through his word, through the leading, through the unction of the Holy Spirit. He says in Habakkuk 2, and I will watch to see what he will say to me. In other words, I'm listening to what he's saying. Psalm 85, he says, I will hear what the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people. Psalm 143, cause me to hear your loving kindness. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you I do trust one thing. It speaks about being single-minded, about being focused, about being pure, loyal, undivided. And I want to end and just ask you this question. What is the greatest longing in your heart? What is the greatest longing in your What is your one thing? What's your greatest desire? Is it to seek his presence daily? to know him more intimately. There are levels to God that we've not even touched on. To, to know him intimately in all his beauty, wonder, and majesty, to look upon him, to see his beauty, to know who he is, to lean into him, to listen to him. David placed great value on God. God was his treasure. His whole life was undivided, was focused. What, and it drove the direction of his life. What, what is driving the direction of your life? Are you being driven by circumstances? Is it circumstances that are causing you 
to, 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 to live in a certain way? Is it the demands of life? Why not today lay aside the distractions? Look into the face of our wonderful God. We sang it in the prayer meeting. We had a little prayer meeting before. I actually sang a song. And it goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Let's do that today. You know what? He wants to be the strength of your life. He wants to be the joy of your life, the peace in your life. He wants to do what to you what he did to David. He wants to hide you. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. And he wants to, he wants to be with you in the secret place. But he wants to be the one thing in that secret place in your desire. Draw near to him today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.